This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast and this is a weird one for me because this isn't the analysis show, this is the preview show and unfortunately Natalie is away this weekend but don't worry, we've got me, George Porter, somewhat steady the ship and we've also got analysis show extraordinaire Tom Whitaker to, co- to cover. So Tom, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Welcome to the preview show. Hi George, yeah, it's always nice to meet on the preview show. Very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the game on Tuesday. Oh, I didn't get to the loop once. It'll be my first time back to Turf for a while, so yeah, I'm very excited. Wow, yeah, that, yes. And the atmosphere was really good for the Luton game. So despite the loss the other night, it should, should be a good atmosphere. But first things first in the preview show, as you loyal listeners know, first things first is the quiz answer. Now, last time out, we asked you, who replaced the injured Brian Jensen in goal for the last few minutes of the game when Burnley played Watford at Vicarage Road in the Championship in August of 2005? Now, for me, 2005, that was a little, little bit too early in my tenure supporting the Clarets. I was four years old at the time, so whilst I had made my turf more debut, I, I, I can't remember this. Now, Tom, did you have much success this week without spoiling the answer? Yeah, well, I, di- I didn't know, but I remembered who the sort of second choice goalie was uh, back at that time. So that was my guess. And uh, as, uh, as uh, from the, the look on your face, I can see you dying to tell everyone what Adam's <laughs> guess was as well. So <laughs> I, was, I was nearer the mark than him for sure. Yeah, and I obviously I had no idea. But as Tom alluded to, this wasn't a trick question. And despite despite some of our listeners thinking it was, we were looking for the name of the substitute goalkeeper who came on to play the last few minutes of that match in Watford in 2005. Now, this week's quiz stars are John Robertson, of course, and Jan Gedzgilewski. And the answer was Danny Coyne. What are your memories of Danny Coyne, Tom? Remember, he always looked very short for a goalie, but he was always, he was always decent, I think, when he, when he played. I remember he got quite a bad injury, um, put him out for a season, and he, he struggled to get back in after that. But he was, he was a good keeper, yeah, I didn't mind him. I remember, I don't remember Danny Coyne personally, but I do have a book at home. And it was released either around 2005 or six or seven. It was one of them Burnley. I'm not sure if they'd done it any other season, but it was a black and white book, photographs throughout the whole season. And Coyne was at a club at 
at that time. Do you remember? Do you remember seeing that book? Because it's it's it. Oh, you're shaking your head, listeners. For I feel like a lawyer here. I've just been watching this oh, too. Yeah. It's for the jury. Uh, that Tom Whitaker is shaking his head to say he hasn't <laughs> seen this book, but it's it's a real cracker. Now I don't know who wrote it, who took the photographs, but um, yeah, I, I Google it. Black and white Burnley photograph book because it is absolutely spectacular, and it's got all like the behind the scenes from. I think it might have been the all six or seven season. So yeah, it's a really good book and I recommend checking it out. But we've had the quiz answer, which was obviously Danny Coyne. And next up, we're going to head to, whilst Natalie's not here this week, don't worry, we've got steady man, stat man Dave, to right the wrongs and be here to help us out on the preview show. So first up, Dave's going to give us the head to head for this week's game against, and I've I've just realised, I've not even said the preview show was for. It's for Hull City at home. And here is the championship head-to-head from the ever-reliable Dave. In case you haven't got used to how we're handling the head-to-head section for this season, it is just the second-tier games at the relevant venue which we're looking back at. Even so, that means that there are 22 previous seasons when our paths have crossed at this level. And so with 22 potential matches to look at, I'm going to prioritise and focus on the 12 victories. And in particular, the six home wins we've managed in second tier games against Hull City at Turf Moor since the Second World War. In terms of pre-war victories at this level, uh, four were prior to the First World War. With a hat-trick of Burnley home wins in three consecutive seasons from 1906-07 to 1908-09 including a 4-2 win, a 5-0 win and a 1-0 win. In 1911-12, there was another emphatic Burnley victory by a 5-1 scoreline, and that included a hat-trick for inside right Dick Lindley. There were two further Burnley home wins over Hull City in the interwar years, with a 3-1 win in December 1933 and a 2-0 win in September 1935. Six wins from 11 prior to World War II has been matched, with another six wins in 11 games since 1945, although we had to wait until the 70s for the first of those. 1972-73 was a promotion season, and in February 1973 there was a real treat for the Burnley fans, who enjoyed an emphatic 4-1 win, with goals from Frank Casper, Jeff Nulty, Billy Ingham and Martin Dobson. The remaining five wins are all since the turn of the millennium. Adi Akinbae scored the only goal in a 1-0 win in October 2005, and the following season it was a couple of early goals from Michael Duff and Gifton Noel-Williams in the first 15 minutes, which helped to seal a 2-0 home win. In 2010, two players scored a brace each in an emphatic Burnley win, but we're going to save the details for our memory match feature, which we'll come back to very soon. That just leaves two more Burnley home wins in second-tier home games against Hull. Martin Patterson scored the winner on New Year's Eve 2011, and then in February 2016, that honour went to Sam Vokes. So to summarise, there have been 22 previous second-tier matches against Hull City at Turf Moor. Burnley have won 12, drawn 4 and lost 6. thank you very much Dave for that it's always brilliant to hear from Dave and despite he's taken a a tiny back seat on the podcast this season we can always rely on him for a good head to head 
Now, of course, this week, now I've finally been able to say it, is against Hull City at home. Now, before we do go into the played for both section, Tom, I think the memory that I that always sticks in my head is, is that that 3-0 loss to eight Hull uh, before the 23 unbeaten run. It's kind of a shame that you say that because I think I've been to Hull away probably seven or eight times and that's the only time I've ever seen us get beat at Hull. Um, normally quite good memories there. I suppose if we're going to think about the home games against Hull, probably the one that sticks out for me is, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying, I think it was Steve Cotter's last game, I think we lost home to Hull. Remember he put Robbie Blake up front and then just hoofed it at his head all game. It was rubbish. I think David Unz has got sent off. I'm sure that was against Hull and then. Uh, he scored near the end. Um, I think that was the year they went up. So, yeah, for a lot of home is that one. And then the one when we beat them in the Prem when uh, Graham Alexander scored two and they had that free kick disallowed for no apparent reason. That was a good day. So, yeah. Uh, normally, I think we did quite well against Hull. So, hopefully, we'll keep that going. Yeah, fingers crossed. Now, as for the played for both section, uh, me and Tom have got have got a list in front of us. Now, listeners, if you do want to go and see this list of the the, play, the full list of players who have played for both Burnley and Full City since uh, World War Two. Just check out Dave Roberts on Twitter, stat, our resident stat man. Uh, on Twitter, he is at D-L-R-B-R-T-S. So, D-L-R-B-R-T-S. So, yeah, check out that on Twitter. But, Tom, I presume you've got this list up in front of you. Are there any names that stand out to you? Uh, I think there's probably... Uh, for people of a certain age, there's, there's one that I'm sure you'll, you'll want to bring up that we'll be talking about. But I think for me, we're going back slightly further than, than probably your time. Uh, um, I always really liked Jerry Harrison. He was one of my favourite players and I was like when I was first started going, sort of mid-90s. And then the obvious one for me is Andy Payton, brilliant player. Scored goals everywhere. Uh, I think he started at Hull after he was released by, by us, obviously, as a youth team player. So I'm sure he was very well thought of there and obviously a legend amongst Burnley fans. So, yeah, there. Uh, that, that was the name that jumped out to me, but I imagine uh, I can probably guess what, what name sprang out for you. Yeah, the, the name that obviously ha- sprung out to me was a modern-day legend, Leon Court. <laughs> <laughs> Memories of Leon Court, Tom. Uh, getting absolutely skinned alive by Shane Long against Reading. That's my abiding memory of Leon Court. They don't have any good ones today, think, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, well, Shane Long, speaking of that name, we'll be seeing him again in Reading Colours this season at some point. But as for Hull City, of course, listeners, that was a little bit of a tease, but the name that stands out for me is, of course, Dean Marnie. And what a player. I mean, I could wax lyrical all day on Dean Marnie, but I just, I, I really do think this season we're on to a winner with Josh Cullen and Jack Cork when he plays, which please be every single game. But Dean Marnie and David Jones, I mean, that was a midfield for the ages. And of course, Dean Marnie played, I, I believe we bought him from Hull in 2011. Um, and he, he played quite a lot of times. He played 125 games for Hull, but obviously surpassed that with Burnley and made a grand total of 221 appearances in the League and the Cup. And Thomas was, it could have been more. And he was a player that, whilst terrific for us, you could have imagined him playing 300 games if it wasn't for the injuries. Yeah, he got that big one. Um, that- I think it was 2015, just after the window closing, when bought a midfielder, and then of course Sodslaw did his ACL. And I remember he came back. Um, I think it was Cardiff away um, in the obviously the season where we, we did so well in the championship, and uh, he, I think he got an assist right near the end for a, a late equaliser. So he was back with the bank. Um, but yeah, like you say, probably not never quite the same player after that injury, especially. But 
yeah, I mean, uh, that amount of appearances is there for a long time. And obviously, a, a big fan's favourite, the amount of Dean Morney chance that we had, popular guy. So, yeah, yeah, definitely a name that sprang out to me as well. Totally. And I suppose, speaking of players who haven't been the same since their injuries, I mean, a name uh, penultimate on that list, uh, Robbie Brady. And now, Robbie Brady, of course, was a, a fantastic player for Hull, played 114 games and had had the glimpses to be a fantastic player for us. And I suppose, Tom, a bit like Shane Long, we'll see we'll see Robbie Brady this season because he's now at Preston. And did you see his assist the other night? I didn't see his assist the other night, no. Oh, wow. Well, Tom, I thought, I thought you'd been all over this myself. But <laughs> I'm telling you right now, after the podcast, go and search this out because it was... I mean, people wax lyrical about Ismail Asar's goal the other night, but for PNE at the weekend, their striker, oh my word, he, he, he's jumped in the air, oh. almost like almost like karate kicked it, and it's gone top left. And the cross obviously hasn't been spoke about that much because all the attention's on the goal. But Robbie Brady's cross is just on an absolute sixpence. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, with the contortions up like after they finished that, now I have seen it now and. Probably I was thinking it must have been a really good assist, but it didn't stand that. No, that was, that was a fantastic goal, yeah. I didn't realise that was Brady put the cross in. I'm surprised he's actually playing, to be fair. I mean, I'm glad. I'm pleased about it, because I know he did Bournemouth last year and he didn't really get play much for them either. He's doing well, really, I think, to still be to still be in the Championship with the injuries he's had. But it just shows you, if you can get him on the pitch, that there is a lot of, a lot of quality there, a lot of ability. So, yeah, I wish him well. Obviously, not in the games against us, but yeah, it's nice, nice to see him play. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I'll just bring up one one name, one more name on the plate for both, I suppose. One man who we didn't see on the pitch at Burnley at all, Jonathan Walters. Now, Jonathan Walters, for me, Tom, isn't, he isn't a player that I, I thought had played for Hull. There's always these players every week when we do the preview show that you think, wow, he played for that team. Because I think, for me, Jonathan Walters was defined by playing for Stoke City. Now, he made six appearances for Burnley, <laughs> in total and I remember one of them was certainly Istanbul away which we both went to and I remember the team the team coming out uh, an hour before kickoff and you're thinking I've spent all this money to, to, to fly over here and watch Jonathan Walters in the in, in the Europa League and um, yeah so his spell at us wasn't particularly successful but I, I I did not know he played for Hull No I didn't have a clue that like you say you think of Stoke remembering that I think he he was at Ipswich and then I think we sent him back out to Ipswich as well didn't we on loan so yesterday I didn't have a clue he played for Hull Um, (laughs) I imagine he probably played more there than he did for us anyway Yeah well yeah he played 48 games in total which surprised me so it's not it's not a it's not a it's a a substantial amount of games so uh, anyway listeners if you if you do want to see the full list that are played for both as I say just head on over uh, to Dave Roberts' Twitter account. And speaking of Dave, we're going to go back to the ever-reliable Dave for the memory match versus Hull City. Take it away, Dave. With 12 home wins over Hull City in second-tier matches, we were spoiled for choice this week. We've decided to go back to an emphatic win from the 2010-11 season. Burnley did the double over Hull City in the Premier League during the previous season but both clubs suffered relegation at the end of that campaign. However, Burnley continued their good run against the Tigers when the teams met at Turf Moor in September 2010. Brian Laws was still in charge of the Clarets, with Nigel Pearson in the Hull City hot seat. 
This was another Tuesday evening kickoff, with 835 Hull City fans adding to a crowd of just under 14,500. Jack Cork and Jay Rodriguez were both in Burnley's starting 11. The Clarets took a 2-0 lead into the half-time break, with Chris Wellamo scoring the opener with a header. Uh, that was after 14 minutes, and Chris Eagles doubled that lead with a low shot after 24 minutes. After the break, both players doubled their tally. Five minutes into the second half, Daniel Ayala was punished for a handball inside the box, and Chris Eagles converted a spot kick. And three minutes later, Chris Awellamo rounded off the scoring with a close-range shot to make it four. So, a really impressive win from the Clarets on that occasion, which is something we'd very much like to see a repeat of this Tuesday. Although with Hull City unbeaten in the league so far with two wins and a draw, we know we will need to be at our best to get a positive result. Oh, that's brilliant. It's always good to hear from you, Dave. And I suppose as the open podcast we are, it's not just all Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. And we do like to bring you the opposition view. Now, the opposition view for this week is, of course, coming from Hull City, and it's coming from the To Hull and Back podcast. Now, as soon as I saw this on my spreadsheet, I knew that's an Only Fools and Horses reference. Um, so to hold them back, all I can say is absolutely fantastic podcast name. And here you go, listeners. This is the To Hull and Back podcast with the opposition view for this week. Hello, this is Nathaniel from the To Hull and Back podcast, and I'm a whole city fan. And so I've had a you know fairly enjoyable start to the season. Uh, supporting City. We've had a very good first win against Bristol City, played very well in the second half and uh, deservedly got the points even though the goals were a bit lucky and we scored that deflected 90th minute winner. Then uh, Preston away, 0-0. That was a very, very poor performance. We didn't play anywhere near as well. Um, we had the two big strikers up front, Tete and Estepinian. Um, they've both played in Turkey before, but Estepinian, he's the, the big signing, really, um, the free agent, but um, along with Jean-Michael Seri from Fulham, who won the league last season, that's a, that was a big coup and a much better player than we thought we'd be able to sign. But Estepinian, eventually, um, although the first few games he'd had, and especially after a poor pre-season for the team, um, he did really well uh, the other day, scored two goals against Norwich City, and so that put us top of the league. So really, the, the start of the season, although after pre-season we, we lost 3-0 to Peterborough in our last game, and 4-0 to Leicester as well, uh, in a big sort of showpiece friendly at the MKM Stadium, the Corridon Cup final, uh, which is a big sponsorship thing. Um, really, it's been a good start. Um, poor pre-season, but the actual matches we've played, especially at home, we've performed well, um, but then... Between those two good uh, 2-1 home wins against Bristol and Norwich City, we had a very poor uh, 0-0 draw at Preston, which we, we shouldn't really have got anything from. And maybe we didn't deserve much from Norwich because uh, they had a lot more of the ball. But then the worst part was uh, our 2-1 cup defeat away at Bradford City um, against Mark Hughes and uh, former captain of us, uh, Richie Smallwood, he was playing for them. So that was very disappointing. We didn't get anywhere towards um, the levels that I expected. And I think even after that, uh, you know, a lot of our fan base is kind of reactionary, and I, I've been uh, to it um, sometimes. But really, I think after the home performances, I'm really good with our, our new players um, kind of really shining. Esti Pinion with his two goals. Uh, Ozan Tufan looks like one of the best midfielders in the league. 
Um, he's a big Turkish in- international we've bought from Fenerbahce. Same with Alayar Sayad, Manesh the winger. He's a really young, uh, exciting attacking talent who has been playing at wing-back, but he's been playing on the wing. Yeah, we signed him from Fenerbahce as well. So we've got a really good squad. I think there's some more players coming in. We need a bit of cover and um, perhaps a little bit more creativity going forward because um, I think uh, the four goals we have scored uh, have been a, a tad fortuitous in a way. But really, uh, looking forward to it. The lineup is pretty much impossible to predict. Um, it will probably be fairly similar to um, the lineup we had against Norwich because of the amount of injuries we have. Um, the prediction... I think our away performances are still going to be poor, and I think Burnley have played well to begin with. So I'll go maybe a tight game, 1-0 to Burnley. Um, I'm expecting us to be a whole lot better at home this season. So 1-0 to Burnley. Lineup should be similar to what it was against Norwich because of our injuries. But really, Hull City, ha- uh, Hull City fans have a lot to be looking forward to this season. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's always good to hear from you guys. And once again, may I say, fantastic podcast nib. Now, next up, we're going on to the referee watch. And listeners, we jokingly referred to Huddersfield Town fan Bobby Madley ahead of the opening match of the season. But of course, they would never have let him take charge of that match. But he is going to have the whistle for Tuesday evening's match against Hull City at Turf Moor. Now, if you might recall, Bobby Madley stepped away from football in 2018. Uh, which was later revealed to be as a result of a video clip he recorded, which was mocking a disabled fan. He sent the clip to a, well, let's say, so-called friend, who later forwarded it to his employers. Uh, And he he did make his return to refereeing at the start of the 2020-21 season. But, I I suppose, as a result of his uh, time away from football, this will be his first time in charge of a Burnley game since a 2-1 home defeat to Chelsea in 2018. Although, some questionable positioning a few months prior to that, if you'll remember, in another home match against Southampton, inadvertently led to a late equaliser for the visitors. Tom, I've, I've heard about your memories of Hull off camera, which we may not bring into this episode because um, it's not too tasteful, but memories of Bobby Madley as a referee. Yeah, that one there uh, at Southampton stands out. I think you say inadvertently, I mean... I think, I think I feel like he could have maybe made a bit more of an effort to get out of the way. I'm pretty sure it was actually Westwood. I think it was the best tackle Southampton made all day in that game. And then, you know, I remember Gabby Dini scored late on. But to be fair to Bobby Madley, I think he's, he's not a bad ref. Um, and I think the, the guy we had on Friday was uh, was really poor. I think he was miles off the play for a lot of it. So I think he's probably one of the better standard in this league. So hopefully we get a decent game out of him and hopefully he can refrain from... Uh, tackling any of our centre midfielders if we want to up in the last minute. So. Yeah, that would help. That certainly would. And it, as for his overall record in previous matches, um, he has refereed 12 Burnley matches in total. Now, Tom, you say he's a good he's a good referee, but oh my gosh, help us if this is our record. We have played 12 under the charge of Bobby Madley. We've drawn two, we've won three, and we've lost seven of them. Uh, which isn't it isn't the best record um so we're certainly hoping for better this time around but before I don't want to veer too far away from the whole game but I was looking up that Chelsea game the last last time he refereed us and Tom this was right near the end of the 2018 season where we were we were at this point we were eight points adrift of Leicester in seventh I mean it's, it's bonkers I, even I know it's only four years on but when I was reading this match report and it was 
Oh, Kevin Long's on goal. Sent took Conte's men on the way against European hopefuls Burnley. It, it feels like another world, doesn't it? Yeah, crazy to think it's only four years ago. And even like we had so much continuity with the squad and everything for so long. And it's probably, I mean, I know Kevin Long's still there, but I wouldn't have thought many of the other players he played in that game are still at, still at Burnley now. So, yeah, it's yeah, mad how much it's changed in four years. Totally. And um, yeah, I'm just looking at that team. So you've got uh, Twitter's star man, I suppose, Nick Pope in net. Um, <laughs> you've got Stephen Ward, Tarky. Long and Lawton, two names who potentially could be on the way, if rumours are believed. Then you've got Westwood and Cook, so oh, they're still going. And then you've got Lennon, Barneswood and uh, Johan Goodmanson. Now, I suppose on the topic of current players we've got, we'd better go on to a little bit of a preview of the whole City game itself. Uh, obviously, we've still got Ashley Barnes in and around, but Jack Cook, now that's the name I think we need to touch on. Because, Tommy didn't start on Friday night and... Um, I think at the time there was sort of a, a feeling of, oh, that's a bit of a weird a weird one. But, you know, we like Basti and he's impressed so far. So perhaps it might work. But, Tom, I, I, I think with companies, companies interview after the match where he said we lacked control in the first half, would you pinpoint that down to not having Jack Cork in the starting lineup? Uh, it's one of the factors, I think. I think it's pretty telling that he, you know, he, he put him on at half time. I think he... Uh... I didn't really see what he'd done wrong to be dropped, to be honest. And uh, uh, I think, obviously, company probably realised that we could do with him in that midfield. Watford are a better team as well, so that's probably partly why we did lack a bit of control. And I think Watford managed the game really well after, uh, you know, after they scored. Um, up until the red card, I think we, were, we weren't looking like we were going to score. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think Cork will, will be one of the first names on the team sheet, um, you know, alongside Colin. I was, I was the same as you, a bit surprised he was dropped. And I think probably company now will be thinking about that first half performance and, and the fact that he's brought him on at half-time. I'd expect him to, to be starting on Tuesday. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hope so myself. I think uh, it's easy to say, but I think Burnley are, quite simply, a better team with Jack Cork starting. I think, you know, Cork, Cork and Cullen... You just can't you can't ask for more class than that in the two holding midfielders for me. But looking a bit further up the pitch, I suppose there's perhaps a decision to be made on whether maybe Dari Costello stays in the team. Uh, Benson, I thought I was really impressed with him against Huddersfield. I thought he really put them on the back foot. He attacked his fullback, but against Watford, I think he might have got a little clip or two on on the ankles, and he went quiet for me, Tom. I wasn't really all that impressed on Friday night with Benson yeah I think it was a little bit of a welcome to English football that left back I mean uh, mentioned earlier I thought the ref was quite poor for Watford got sired twice in the first five minutes and now I could not book him for either of them I was very surprised but I think after that he did he went quiet maybe hit a little bit um yeah not his best game but I think um with a lot of the uh, the sort of forward players that we bought that suffering a little bit as well from not having had a pre-season with us you know like uh, players like Cullen and um, and Bastian have slotted in a bit better I think probably because they've had them few weeks with the squad whereas Benson um, Teller uh, obviously Twine's injured at the minute um, but these players haven't really had a pre-season with us so they're going to take a few games to get up to speed and I think uh, Watford away tough game didn't have as much the ball I think I'd, I'd be starting Benson again um, you'd imagine at home crowd behind him a little bit more freedom and hopefully a bit more protection from the rest he's going to need a few games to get into the to the speed of it and you know he's got to have them games I think uh, he's probably got a bit more quality than 
some of the other players that we've got in this forward position. So, yeah, for me, I'd definitely be, uh, be starting him. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I, I think, um, obviously, you unfortunately couldn't make the losing game, Tom, but when Benson came off the bench at half-time, the crowd, it, 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 he lifted the crowd off the feet the way the way, the way way he played and took the game to Luton. So I think, you know, Watford are a tremendous team. I think they'll be one of the, the best. I think they'll certainly go up automatics this year from what I've seen so far. Um, so I think it was a bit of a baptism, baptism of fire. But against Hull at home, who we'll obviously go and speak on in a couple of more minutes, uh, it might be a game for him. But as for the other two are sort of in and around the attacking areas, we've got Costello and Ashley Barnes, who isn't the flavour of the month at the moment, to say the least. But, you know, it's no qualms against him personally. We've got a lack of options and he's playing his heart out every every game. Now, Tom, would you like to see Jay Rodriguez in? And what would you do about Costello? Because I think, again, it was a, a, a bit of a quiet quieter game for him as a young as a young man uh, on Friday night against Watford. Yeah, I think um, probably Costello is a bit symptomatic of the problem that the team had on Friday, I think. He's, he's got good feet and good in the build-up, but just lacking a bit of cutting edge. Um, and that was the same for, for the whole team. Um, I th- it's a difficult one. I think it probably depends how, how far along um, Teller is in his fitness. I don't know what kind of pre-season he had and how much he's up to speed with the rest of the team. But I would imagine that the plan with the... This, oh, we've obviously been linked to this Macedonian winger as well. It looks like that deal was going to happen. So I imagine the, the amount of players we're bringing in for these wide positions... Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that he's expecting Costello to start every week. Um, maybe he'd be tempted to start Teller, um, but it, again, like I said, probably just depends how ready he is. Uh, maybe maybe 45 minutes for the, off the bench or something like that would be better. But I don't think Costello's let us down. I'd be happy if he started. Um, Barnes would be less happy if he started. I think he just lacks, I mean, I think he lacks a bit of quality, to be honest. He's certainly not the player of a few years ago. And, and uh, he, even if he... Even if he was, I don't think he fits into this team. He doesn't suit it. Um, like you say, trying his best, but I think uh, I think Rodriguez is a better player, and I think he's more technical player, and he'd be better in this, this setup. So yeah, for me, if, again, depending on fitness, but I'm hoping that Rodriguez can start, and I think Barnes is probably a good option to bring on if you if you one nil up with 20 minutes to go. I think he holds the ball up well and just slows the game down. But if you if you're looking to get goals, I think uh, I think his best days are behind him in that regard. Yeah, possibly. Um, I think for myself, I'd, I I would as much as I do love Barnes, and I, I I will I will protect him because I do really like him. I, I would like to see Gerard start. I think he did improve the game. I didn't. I wasn't particularly impressed with us on Friday night. I thought the build up was slow. There was like a virgency. The wingers weren't attacking the fullbacks. It was a really frustrating one. But all that being said, I thought Gerard just offered that little bit more in terms of linking up play. That sort of quality on the ball, like you say, Tom. So. I'd personally be hoping to see Gerard start. And yeah, as for Costello, I was interested that you didn't bring up uh, the name of Vitinho uh, any time there, Tom. Uh, is there not a case maybe that he, he should be starting? Because I think I think one of the most impressive bits um, from, from Friday night was obviously Vitinho coming on again and playing playing quite well again, I thought. Yeah, I think he had the beating of, of his fullback a lot more than we got out of Benson. Uh, to be honest, the reason I didn't mention Virginia was because I forgot about it. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a lot of new signings, haven't we? And uh, yeah, I was thinking of Pete Lewis sort of more because he's more of a kind of a, a sort of right back, a bit like Matson, kind of a, a fullback as opposed to an out and out winger. But yeah, obviously he's played very high up the pitch when he's played and uh, he does look a good player. So yes, 
yeah, that, thank you for correcting my oversight there. Yeah, perhaps if it's not Teller, then maybe it should be Vitinho. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been impressed with Vitinho, and I think he's possibly suffering from a bit of the James Milner syndrome at the moment, in that, like you say, Tom, he's a right back, but he's sort of been deployed as a off the bench, oh gosh, this game's not going how we like. Let's just chuck Matinho on in any forward position and see if he can bring some of that Brazilian magic, which I suppose isn't quite the James Milner syndrome because that's not it's not really Milner's game. But you know, you know what I mean. A versatile player who's uh, too good for his own own making sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say by James Milner syndrome, you don't mean that he's really boring, and therefore that's why he's not starting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, no, no, no. Don't worry, Matinho. I'm not. I'm not comparing you in that way. Um, so Tom, I must press. What 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 team do you think we're likely to see against Hull, and is that different to the team that you think we should see? Or have you got any Have you got any qualms with Vincent Company? That's what we're all trying to find. I think Lanks Live wants to uh, grab some headlines for tomorrow. Yeah, I think in terms of like what team would I pick, I find it quite difficult at the minute because um, it's the formation kind of hard to pin down sometimes. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of new signings. It's, I don't know too much about a lot of them. I th- I'm I'm quite enjoying the football so far more than I thought I would as well. So I'm happy to to leave that to company. Um, I don't think we'll see much of a change in the shape. I think um, it will still be Robert Taylor and Howard Bellis at the back. Um, I think, like I said, I expect probably Cork will come back in. Cork and Cullen, um, and then obviously Matson. He's been he's been brilliant. I don't think he can drop in. So be Court Cullen and then uh, Brown Hill and Bastion, I think, will stay in midfield as well. I'm not expecting Twine to be back just yet. So, yeah, the big questions, I think, are um, do you play Costello or do you play Vitinho or or, uh, or maybe Benson? Um, is it Barnes or Rodriguez up front? Again, depending on fitness. Um, and then do you maybe bring Teller in as well? So, uh, yeah, probably the, the final third, I think, is where we're lacking at the minute and that's where I'd expect to see some changes. But I think... Overall, I mean, even if you think about the game on uh, on Friday, uh, defensively, uh, it was a poor goal to concede. But other than that, I don't think it caused us too many problems. I think Norwich didn't really have anything to do apart from hit the ball out of the net. So, yeah, that, that side of the, the pitch, I don't think it didn't need to change much there. I think that's, that's something quite solid. Yeah, and um, I, I'm the same as you, really. I think it's one of those where I'm sort of happy with whatever we see at the moment because company sees a lot more of these players than I've ever seen in my life. So I think I think the the trust is there to to let him pick the best. Uh, I think I think obviously that the issue we need to tackle at the moment is just is trying to wear trying to find a way to unlock opponents' defenses. Now, Tom, I don't know if you've seen much of Hull this season, but they've started the season very well. They are second in the league. Um, I, I, at the moment, they've won two games, drawn one away at Preston, a nil-nil. But they've started the season really well, and they've also spent a bit of money in the summer. They've got these new Turkish owners, and there seems to be, from what we heard from the opposition view to hold them back earlier, seems to be an optimism about about the place and a real belief that with a couple of these signings that they've made, not not in the least um, Oscar Estupinan, Oscar Estupinan. That's that's uh, one guy who's look to make a real impact for Hull so far so what are you expecting from Hull and I think at the start of the season personally I'd have looked at this game and thought wow after three tough games to start we can get a game against Hull at home and hopefully get get a good another win under our belt but hey look they've started the season really well and I'm just looking at the table and they're top of the league yeah I think uh, unfortunately I think the second now aren't they after uh, the result at Eagle Park today but um 
<laughs> not that I wanted to mention that. Um, no, I think it'll be it'll be a tough game. Um, I think I don't I don't see them being in the promotion shake-off at the end of the season, but um, I think they'll they'll be solid. They'll they'll be a lot further away from the drop zone than they were last season. Um, I think probably what gives me the most hope is we heard in the preview that the away form's not been matching the home form as yet. Obviously, the draw at Preston, uh, Eman said that they were they were quite lucky to get that, and then to lose it away at Bradford in the League Cup. I know most of the Championship teams lost in the League Cup, but it's still not a great result. So I'm hopeful with with home advantage and the fact that they they seem to be finding their feet a little bit on the road. That it, I don't I don't expect us to waltz to three or four nil, but I'm hoping if we can get that first goal, then uh, that that will just set off some nerves and. Um, and we can go on and, and keep a lead from there. You're pretty confident at the minute that if we do go one and up that we keep the ball and, uh, and they'd have a time breaking us down. So, yeah, uh, I'm optimistic. I think it's a winnable game for us. And um, after after one point from the last two, we could, like you say, approaching some slightly easier games now. So hopefully it's uh, it, with a double header at home, it's a chance to get some points on the board and start climbing the table. Yeah, this this week could be, I mean, it's, it's way too early in the season to say, and this is a really big week, but I think this could be, you know, an important week just to get us uh, somewhat back on track after, after the Watford game. You know, it, you, look, you can say all day whether we deserved a point or even a win against Watford on Friday night, but the, the reality is we didn't We didn't get a win. And I think on the night, what I was really gutted about in my head, I was thinking, oh, wow, that's the end of that unbeaten run, 25 games. But let's be honest, we're all clinging to say something that wasn't really a thing because it was six years ago. And I think one of the, the, the things that is a positive coming out of Watford is that it's sort of a line in the sand. It shows where we are as a team. It completely cuts that, oh, 25 game unbeaten thing. It's it's gone. And it's up to companies' team to sort of write their own story now. And um, I think there's been enough positives, Tom, in the first three games to say, look, it hasn't been incredible so far. You're not, not top of the league unlike them certain, them, them lot down the road. But even though we lost to Watford, they are one of the best teams in the league. And we, we, we ran the show, really. We just couldn't score. So, Tom, I'd say there's been enough positives to, to head into this week and the coming fixtures with a, a sense of, yeah, optimism and thinking that it, it just needs, we just need to find that missing piece in a way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I've been impressed by the start. I think we look like a decent team. I think you can see the plans there. Um, it was always going to take a bit of time for us to, to really get going with the fact we've got a new manager and so many new players and a whole new way of playing for the people who are already here. So, yeah, I think it's been an encouraging start. And if we can start adding a bit more of a goal threat, hopefully, like so, with some easier fixtures, then, uh, then yeah, it's, I, I'm optimistic about the season. I'm, and I'm more optimistic than I was before I saw his play. So, and that's always a good sign. Yeah. And, I've, you know, I've, I've enjoyed myself. I think me and Tom were both people who were like mm, not really sure about company style of play do we really want to copy Man City like it's just not it doesn't get me off my feet particularly despite you know what I did enjoy watching match of the day in Man City last night to be fair so maybe I'm just being a bit stubborn and bitter because they always batter us but yeah like my, like Tom I've been impressed so far myself and for a score prediction for the game I'm personally going to go with a 1-0 win I don't think there's an, an enormous amount of goals in us yet I think we'll struggle um really working teams down at the moment until we get a striker in. But that being said, I think we do have that odd goal in us. And as we saw in the first game against Huddersfield, once we get in the lead, this team is capable of, of holding on to a 1-0 win. So that's my prediction for the whole City game. Tom, can I get a score prediction from you? And can I get a goal scorer? Because in my head, goal scorer, again, is going to be Josh Brownhill. 
Yeah, every chance seems to be falling to Brownell at the minute, doesn't it? Um, so it's probably not a bad shout. Oh, I'm going to be slightly more optimistic. I'm going to say a, a comfortable 2-0. Um, get 2-0 up inside the first half an hour and passing it around for the for the final hour. Paul don't get a touch on the ball. Um, goal scorers. It's tricky, isn't it? You don't know who's going to play. I'll say, um, let's say Rodriguez, um, just so you can get somewhere towards your 15-goal prediction. And uh, Benson. I, I'd like, uh, be nice for Benson to get a goal, get, get his confidence up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out, Tom. I did indeed say that Jay Rodriguez would get 15 goals or more in the league this season. And I stand by that. He just needs to get a run in the team. Um, 2-0. I would love to see that. And it it, it it did flash my mind back to um, a game that you mentioned earlier, Tom, was the 2-0 win against Hull in the first Premier League season where uh, Graham Alexander scored twice for us. So, And uh, funnily enough, it's one of those times where you, you get sent back into, well, for me, my childhood. And I've, I've typed in Burnley 2-0 Hull 2010. And it's taken me to that really old BBC Sport website before it all changed, that mid, mid-2000s mid website. So if you if you want a blast from the past, listeners, just type in that online and find the old BBC Sport website that is still running and functioning, would you believe? Um, so that's that's our discussion of the whole City game, almost wrapped up. But first, we're going to go to Dave for this week's Stat of the Week. Take it away, Dave. Burnley's ability to recruit more widely meant that the starting eleven contained seven different nationalities at Watford on Friday evening, and there were only four English players on the pitch for the start of the match. There have been some recent matches with fewer English players. For example, there were only three in the 2009 playoff final, and we've had some matches in 2009 and 2010 with just two. Going further back, Burnley have always named at least one English player in the starting eleven, but for 10 different matches between 1892 and 1894, there was only one, who was the goalkeeper, along with 10 Scottish outfield players. Oh, that's a really, that's, that's, that was a really interesting start of the week uh, from Dave, so thanks Dave. I think, Tom, the thing that really stood out to me was only three English players in the 2009 playoff final. You, you sort of think back now and you think, and you think, well, you know, Burnley have had this reputation before company of just, just signing British players. And although it was nonsense, it did, it did pique my interest that 2009 playoff final one. But at the same time, I thought, well, yeah, with all those sort of, Owen Coyle was bringing in quite a lot of a variety of different players. And Tom, I've got a question for you. Who was your favourite? of the Owen Coyle signings around that time, the players that didn't work out? Because I'm I'm thinking Fernando Guerrero, Remco van der Schaaf. Which of these players was uh, sticks, sticks in your memory? What of the ones who were rubbish? <laughs> yes, please, yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I always like, I always find it quite amusing, the fact that uh, we had a Peruvian goalie whose name was Diego Penny. It's quite a funny name to... Yeah, I'll go for Diego. I, I, I didn't mind Diego, but he never really, uh, yeah, he never really shone, did he, on in the few games that he played? No, that's that's a great shout. And Diego Penny, of course, was one of those players I believe that played in Sheffield Wednesday away, which we were discussing in the group chat earlier today. Which, of course, was Remco van der Schaaf's only competitive game for Burnley. Uh, so that's a that's a name from the past for you listeners. Now this time around, we've got no. Uh, fantasy Premier League update, just because we are, in fact, in the middle of game week two. Uh, so the update on that will be coming later this week, I believe, for the preview show for Blackpool uh, at home. 
Uh, but that being said, we are we have got a reminder of the league ID uh, for any of you who want to join this fancy Premier League for this season. And can I say it is very competitive. You'll have the chance to beat me. You can lord that over me on Twitter. You'll probably have the chance to beat Natalie because Natalie always struggles every year. But Tom, it's not quite so easy. Tom's a, a fairly decent manager these days. But for anyone who does want to join, you just go to the Fantasy Premier League website and you enter this League ID. Now, I'm going to say it twice for you. For you all at the back, we've got it's 96, N for Nigel, 4, J for John, and then K for King. So that's 96, N for Nigel, 4, J for John, and K for Kenny. See what I did there? I said King first time and Kenny second time. I, I, I suppose you won't thank me for that, seeing as this links to uh, them lock down the road. But that's the league code for you. So anyone who wants to join, it's a free game. And it's it's rather fun, Tom. How's your season been going? <laughs> well, I actually um, I don't actually play FPL myself, uh, George. But remember, there was <laughs> I think there's a chap, I don't know if he's in there this year, but I know last season there was a, a guy with the same name as me, Whitaker with one T, but... Um, I think he did quite well, so I'm happy to, to take the credit if he has another good team. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for uh, Tom Whitaker with a T um, this time around. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so moving on from the Fantasy Premier League section, of course, we're going to leave you with the quiz question for the week. Now, the answer for this week's for last week's quiz question we revealed at the start of the show. Now, listeners who were who have been listening attentively throughout the show might have an idea of the answer to this week's quiz question. So I suppose this is in some way a bit of a test to see who has been listening closely. And the quiz question for this week is, can you name the two permanent Burnley managers whose final competitive matches in charge of the Clarets were home defeats against Hull City at Turf Moor? So we're looking for two managers and their final games in charge of the team were home defeats against Hull City at Turf Moor. Now, Tom, I'm not going to ask you for your answer for this one and listeners don't reply to the tweet with your answer send it in a direct message that no one probably me can steal your answers or you can send it to our email which is podcast at nonanever.net but Tom I think this time around we should be safe from seeing a third permanent Burnley manager sacked after defeat against Hull City at home yeah, that would be quite a disastrous uh, defeat for him to get the beat to earlier yeah. touch wood Stranger things have happened, but uh, yeah, hopefully that's not a route we're going to start going down. Yeah, I think I think we should be safe on that one, but who knows? I remember I remember it was when the Venkies took over at Blackburn, and I think they invited all their friends around to watch the Man United game. And after being rather embarrassed, I think that was the end of I believe it was Steve Keane or someone like that at the time. So as you say, stranger things have happened, but I, I very much doubt it. Now, listeners, that's your quiz question for this week. I know this podcast has been quite a lengthy one this week, but there's just so much exciting things to talk about despite a recent defeat. Now, fingers crossed, Burnley can get back to winning ways against Hull City. And as we alluded to before, it's a, a double game week. So we've got Blackpool on Saturday. So just keep an eye out on your regular podcast provider for, I believe, the preview show for Blackpool. And we might even squeeze an analysis show in at some point this week. I believe the plan is to record on Wednesday night. So keep an eye out on Thursday for this week's analysis show and on Friday for the preview show for Blackpool. But well done on finding the preview show itself here with me and Tom. Uh, hopefully we've we've kept the ship steady 
I don't think we've maybe accelerated at a rate of knots, but we've kept it steady, Tom. And I think it's good to say we've missed any icebergs. So thanks for joining me, Tom. How's it been on the preview show? I think we've, I think we've steadied the ship. I've enjoyed it, yeah. It always feels a bit more uh, chaotic when Natalie's not here. It's like when the cat's away, the marshal play. So yeah, I've had a good laugh. Cheers, George. Yeah, totally. And uh, I suppose the behind the scenes is that listeners, we're recording this on Sunday night and uh, I think it's the last of the really, really hot days. And my laptop will be thankful because it's completely spat its dummy out the pram. It's broken down. We're currently on my phone just trying to record and producer Matt, as ever, has come to the rescue and provided us with all the meeting links. He's recorded everything and he'll get the edit done tomorrow. So a massive thanks to producer Matt because it quite literally this week's episode would not have happened without him. Um, I might be in the market for a new laptop, who knows? So it depends if I throw it out the window or not, or whether I just put it in the fridge. We'll have to see. But as for this week's preview show, that is a wrap. Me and Tom are going to go and watch match of the day now, I'd, I'd assume. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing Conte and Tuchel's bust up, which I've seen a little bit about today on Twitter. So we're going to go off to see match of the day. And listeners, we're going to leave you. We're going to leave on a positive note because I think Burnley can get back to winning ways against Hull City. But thanks for listening to us this week. Thanks to George Gaskell for providing the music as ever. And, of course, big thanks to Tom and producer Matt. But listeners, most of all, the biggest thank you to you for staying with us this week. And, yeah, let's hear your score predictions, goal scorers. Let's hear all that jazz on our social, social platforms, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, where we're putting a few clips these days, or on email at podcast at nornanever.net. That's been your preview show for this week. Up the Clarets, let's get back to winning ways. And thank you for listening. Until next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.